It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at seabock.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you are in or getting into the industrial organizational psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your IO path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. If you're a more established IO practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's IO or applied IO psychology program? Go to cboc.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences. And businesses, get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of I.O. Also, today, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and one actor, as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. Uh, Jeremy, we're boldly going into the future today, uh, continue our discussion on AI, and today we're going to actually look at AI-powered employee experience platforms, there's a lot of them out there, personalized for each employee. On the surface, it sounds really, really good. I get my own I get my own AI, and I can rule the world. Um, but is it really going to be good? At the same time, we hear all of these issues coming up with AI. Can we trust AI? Is it going to be the end of the world, or is it going to actually give us more freedom? So what are you finding out? Interesting. So you're able to hear me? I am. All right, good. So we're going to try to take care of that. All right, we got some tech issues. We're battling some tech issues here today. So overall, when we look at the employee experience, and we're looking, so we're looking at human resources, and all this is very new. We've talked about in the past in terms of the watchers and the data collection and those kinds of things. There's a couple articles that are pretty interesting that we're going to look at today. One is called Employee Experience, the Missing Link for Engaging Employees. There's another one called Designing an AI-Powered uh, mentorship platform for professional development. And then there's another one that is called uh, May the Bots Be With You, Delivering HR Cost-Effectiveness and Individualized Employee Experiences. And the resources, the references will this week will soon be in the chat. And also they'll be, you'll be able to see those in the show notes. But in general, so we're looking at this and there's the, the authors are, like you said, we're going into uh, an unknown territory. The authors are looking at the same thing because, of course, this is all new. And this has been a theme. It seems like we've had so many of these AI um, uh, themed podcasts. And, you know, we're going to switch over to something else in December. But if, I'm sure the AI is still going to come up. But there are some very, very specific things 
that, and this is in the article, employee experience, the missing link for engaging employees, where they looked at two separate things. So they looked at employee engagement and also the employee experience, which, which oftentimes people mistake one thing for the other. They go through all the literature review. They look at, you know, what are some of the definitions of like, how are we actually explaining the employee experience? And basically, if they're fa- it's a factor of one another. So employee, a positive employee experience can lead to higher levels of employee engagement and also positive employee uh, and business outcomes like work performance, discretionary effort, lower turnover, those types of things. And Tom, you always ask for the numbers, you know, why should people care about this? Uh, there is a, a little ticker in here that says research point to a co- research points to a correlation between the quality of the employee experience and a firm's performance, wherein companies with excellent employee experience have outperformed the S&P 500 firms by 122%. And I always think about you, and I always make a, a note, and I highlight it in green unconsciously, but I guess the green is for the money, for the bottom line, for the businesses. And then another uh, interesting number here is AI-based. So there's just something called a Team Insights portal, and it's it's part of what this article looked at, what these researchers looked at in terms of an actual AI portal that can help, and we'll dive into that. But this AI tech platform helps save nearly 24,000 human hours each wow. year, improving productivity. So some of the specifics, because this is where I was, you know, you're looking at, you're reading, and it's okay, let's get let's get to it. And I finally found some of the things that I was looking for where, all right, what kinds of AI are we talking about? So they used a variety of, of platforms called My Career, My Wellness, My Recognition, My Talent, My Voice, and there are some other things. And so how are, how are employees actually interacting with this, um, this particular AI? And for example, like for employees can log on to the My Health and Wellness, and they can have a particular application and it can actually prompt employees with ongoing stimuli, you know, take a break, um, suggest different campaigns for them. So now the AI is kind of kind of becoming like their uh, uh, their champion. They can create campaigns like the biggest loser, those kinds of things. So it's almost like your personal assistant in a way, your personal cheerleader. The other there's another platform um, called My Growth and Career. And it's an AI-based interactive bot that provides employees with awareness of opportunities within big tech. And employees can interact with that bot, share, and the bot will share relevant insights about their that person's career and their own personal growth because it's been trained on the, the their particular skills and interests, et cetera, et cetera. And then the bot will continue to interact and engage, helping that person professionally develop and prepare for these other jobs and even maybe try to take an opportunity. And those are just two of the, I think, 10 to 15, but that'll give us a taste of what it is. And the bottom line is this, the reason companies are, well, on paper, the reason companies are doing this is because it hits that reciprocation effect. There's a lot of um, you know, chatter in these articles about the social economy where the company is giving and the employee feels the need to reciprocate because now that the employee is giving and providing these opportunities for these AI based, whether it's a mentorship program, uh, whatever it may be, 
they feel like they're having a better experience with the company. We get a little bit of classical conditioning in there where they're saying, um, you know, they're tying that positive experience to how they feel about the company. And in that regard, they feel the need to reciprocate. And how do they reciprocate? More dedication, more discretionary effort, better performance. So that's the gist, Tom, of what's going on here. Um, This might be a little bit, you know, out of our discussion today, but who's actually using this software? Because I'm talking to a lot of organizations and, you know, and, and trying to talk to their ID de- IT departments and, and they're basically going, oh, AI, like, no, we're not even going to touch it. There's way too many issues. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, okay, you sit back and watch while the rest of the world moves forward. Um, but there does seem to be that trust factor still with AI. So is this something that organizations should be exploring or are organizations going to be better to sort of sit back now and just wait and watch what other organizations are doing? As far as what organizations are using these kinds of things, it's hard to it's hard to know and it's hard to tell who who are who's piloting these types of programs. The way the reason we have this information that we're talking about today is because of, of studies, right? So you have people that are going to research and you have organizations that say, okay, fine, you can use our organization as a guinea pig. Um, it might may provide some uh, benefit to the company with minimal or no cost, you know, direct cost, I should say. To answer your question about should organizations be looking into this, it is that shiny new thing. Uh, I guess it, it all it's all going to depend on an organization's uh, level of being risk averse. Some companies, I think the first types of companies that are going to jump on these are going to be the one that have the younger workers because the, the employee experience is so big right? When you're looking at um, millennials, et cetera. And, you know, that's, that's no, that's no secret. They want a good experience in the company. That's great. So those are probably going to be the organizations that might play around with these kinds of things. I, it's hard. I don't know what, what cost is involved. It's like anything else. You still, you're still going to have your people, your employees that are, I don't want to, I don't want to do this for either, it's just not my style or I'm worried about the intrusion aspect and having bots know everything about me. Yes, it may be helpful. So there's going to be, there's going to be some people that are blazing the path with this, uh, blazing the path with this, some organizations and the organizations that are, are probably going to be the ones that are contacted by companies that offer these and uh, whoever buys into the sales pitch really in terms of who, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be more of companies reaching out and saying, hey, we want to do this. Who can we choose to do this? I think it's going to be more of, hey, we're a company that offers this kind of technology. Uh, Hopefully we have a really great sales pitch and will you be a guinea pig for us? And eventually it's going to be like everything else. There's going to be trial and error and yada, yada, all these things. Um, It's interesting to say the least. Is it going to be here? Is AI going to be very... uh, uh, a lot. Uh, I'm not going to use the word a lot. Is AI going to be very present in the workforce in the next 10, 15, 20 years? I think I think it absolutely is. Uh, again, this is it, it reminds me thinking back to when the Internet first started yeah. back in. Oh, my gosh. When we would the Super Bowls, like when the Internet just started becoming big and we would see commercials like you know, Toyota.com. And we're all thinking, what does .com mean? Like we didn't even know then it's, it's kind of that, but now of course 
we don't bat an eye. So here we are. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl also brought us the Apple commercial, the 1984 or 18, 1984 version with the sledgehammer smashing the screen and it was supposed to free us. Not feeling very free, uh, but we've got lots of hands up and I'm sure there's smarter people out there like Linda Ann. Let's go to you. I've got mixed feelings about this on, on a lot of levels. And that's, you know, one thing seems a little oxymoronic in that it's AI creating a more personalized experience by taking the personal piece of it out, right? So, um, and like some, there was one, there's one particular AI program for mentorship. And one of the feedbacks on it has been um, the lack of that personal touch that you normally get in a mentorship program, right? So there, there's that. Then if you look at how it's, different technology has been integrated into the workforce so far, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, kind of like Microsoft Teams is just now getting to the point where companies utilize it, have expanded their um, utilization of many of the features that uh, it has to offer. So that's at least a 10-year runway, right, That that's been going on or about that. And I think that we have to be very careful because the data in is always a challenge for for all of us humans when when we have a software you know the garbage in garbage out is a real thing so and and some of them are designed to create a, a neutralized bias where it still picks up a bias of its creator and, and and those kinds of things so i think we've got a long way to go on this to to utilize it and one example on that is especially in human resources because my experience with human resources is we are not the most technologically savvy group of people and it takes us a minute to to get there and embrace things and the Best poor example I have so far on that is, you know, the utilization of ATS systems. I think that's been a major fail in in the recruiting process for a lot of places. So um, that's where I'll start us off. Well, it's a great starting place. Um, you know, speaking of something like ATS, which getting kind of sketchy, um, is the, is there any evaluation that's going on? You know, as we develop these new technologies, where we can look at something like that and go wow, maybe really not working well and and maybe things need to be changed. Or are we just like, oh yeah, there's issues, but you know, my company likes using it. So we're going to keep using it. I think that you have to look at really, are you getting, and, and I think that for a lot of people, the answer is no. Are you getting the candidates you want? And especially in larger organizations where they use it extensively, I think that they they have to, whether they're ready to or not is another thing, but they have to look at, doing something a little different because they're really missing the talent that they're looking for. So it's, I'm going to be bold. It's a technology that does not work. It's not utilized correctly. Right. And I'm not sure that it can, that it can um, actually do what they want it to do. Yeah. Marketing's great. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, Linda and Alexander. Let's go to you. All right. I am going to address your kind of point for Tom there on what companies are using this. Um, I actually just got out of our Google partner huddle. So perfect time for part of this conversation. Um, For a lot of the current 
AI that's out there, you actually have a high need to be able to develop this still yet. And so there's not a lot of people who actually have those skills. So we're still in this time frame where we've got to teach people these skills to be able to ramp up to totally use this. What we are really seeing and what I'm expecting fully to happen is, is most customers and most users at a company are really going to get their biggest AI experience from something like Duet AI or Microsoft's Copilot, where they're really going to be interacting with AI on a daily basis as they work in documents and so forth. So that's really going to be the core concentration of their AI experience versus a few of the outside programs. With that being said, there is still quite a bit of delay in that for Duet AI, it has over a million customers currently. So there's over a million companies that are currently using those type of AIs. However, for the Microsoft side, they actually require you to be fully 100% cloud, but most Fortune 500 companies are only around 20% on the cloud. So there's still a lot of delay there. And so it's unsure how that's really gonna play out into the future. And we're kind of seeing more companies now switching over to different platforms because of that. Now, when we look at the actual human capital side of it, going back to the development side, I've got a comment that I'll post after I get done here and it's got the link. OpenAI is currently trying to steal um, this month that got published Google's own developers and they're offering them a $10 million sign-on bonus. Yeah, this is how competitive that type of employee really is. So it's going to take a long time, I think, before we really see how this AI development is going to shape up for most companies because the talent's just, it's too competitive and most companies can't afford that talent right yet. I think Tom froze there for a second. I so, think so. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's actually go over to Natasha. Hi, good morning. Well, good afternoon, everyone, or morning, depending on where you're located. Um, so I think some of the concerns that I had were um, addressed by Linda Ann a little bit early on in terms of, you know, generative AI. AI is based on information that's collected from several data points, what have you. And the truth of the matter is that AI will never be able to replace, think like, act like, respond to, or feel like a human um, in a sense that, yes, we are receiving data that is useful, but that data is not always the full picture. Um, it is not always accurate, um, which leads to my concerns about AI not being and ever being safe, responsible, integrous, and non-biased. Um, Linda Ann talked a little bit about, you know, the ATS systems and HR. HR is my background. Um, and also working in employee, uh, um, employee experience. Um, how I view AI for many um, projects that I have worked on is that is the same way I view personality assessment tests. Um, it is very biased. Um, it does not take into account the intersectionalities of diversity of human, male versus female, um, white woman versus women of color, and the inter intersectionality of being a woman of color and being Black. Those are all different experiences and I think that when I speak to or think of AI, 
I think about AI as a tool, but not as a, it is a tool that can be used as a resource, but at the end of the day, it's not, you still need to do, I think, how would I say that? When you're thinking about it from a data analytics standpoint, you still need other resources. You still need other data points. There's more work to be done. And I'm going to close out with this. There was an attorney, I believe, somewhere who got, I think he got this barred for making a case based off of previous cases, trying to make a defense based on previous cases. Turns out he used AI, chat GPT, to actually generate those cases. And turns out they were fake cases. They did not even exist. And so because AI is not responsible and is not non-biased, I think that it is a great starting point for maybe an outline or getting ideas based on the data that it's pulling from. But at the end of the day, you still need subject matter experts to conduct the work that a lot of these organizations are believing AI can either do or generate. I love that. And to since Tom's not here, I'll take a second to throw in a, a movie line for him. It a lot of what you just talked about, that responsibility side, that ethical and and um integrity-based factors with great power comes great responsibility. So wonderful, uh wonderful contributions. It looks like Dr. Jeremy's back. So I'm gonna hand it over to him. I am and thank you everyone for dealing with our Tiny tech issues today. And Natasha, I was catching the tail end of what you were saying. And I, I agree, it does take an SME to look at it. And for all of you who are who are still students or still up and coming in your career, be cautious with, with make sure you're becoming that SME so that you can be in the SME to look at it. Be careful with using uh, AI on your assignments. I've known, I know of uh, three people just this, this semester who uh, fail courses and were referred uh, to uh, via academic dishonesty for using, they were not in the IO psychology realm because of course we would never do that. Right. But they used AI for the entire completion of every single assignment. And one student even used it to conduct their, to write their bio intro to the class. Like, hi, I'm so-and-so I like skiing. I like this. It was all written by AI. So it is a it is a tool, and there are going to be some very interesting things. But it is important to know that we're all professional players in this field. We are the ones. This is our, you know, collectively. We're of we have multiple generations here, right today, and listening. But it is our collective generational not only responsibility but uh, excitement, cautionary tale. How we handle this is going to. Um, have implications for for years to come. So it's a great ride. And it's great to be with all of you on this great ride. I'm just going to go with who hands up that I see have on the, on the screen. I don't know what order, but I see uh, Dr. Matthew Lamp uh, left to right. So we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so building on what Linda Ann and Alexander uh, and uh, even Natasha, what they were all talking about, you know, who uses it, more and more companies, more and more leaders are starting to integrate this, uh, whether it's with talent development, employee performance, 
um, work, uh, what is it? Uh, Workday. Workday uses a lot of it for the onboarding process. Sometimes that can be a bit choppy, but then they also use it for the employee uh, engagement and the analytics. It can give a lot of real-time data. Uh, Microsoft actually just also came out with their Viva platform, um, which really integrates a lot of the the learning and uh, productivity into the employee experience and the employee engagement. But really, what it comes down to how you uh, how you as a leader, how your organization chooses to incorporate this, it, like anything else, uh, and and to echo what Natasha said, working with the subject matter experts. To help identify your needs, evaluate what features or functions are going to work best for you. What what does your organization need? What suits your your needs? Uh, and then also what integrates into what you're currently using. Um, I think back to there was I think it was Simon Sinek was talking about uh, when Apple had the iPad or the iPod and Microsoft had the Zoom and the the Zoom had all these more advanced features, but because it wasn't user-friendly, it didn't go anywhere. And then, uh, you know, answering those questions of identifying your needs and exploring what what might work, that's, again, that's where we come in. That's where these experts come in to also not just go full force running towards uh, towards this new technology saying, let's put this in, this is going to be great. But as Natasha said, to do it responsibly, to do it ethically and to say, what actually makes sense? And if we incorporate this, what what will those results look like? And how are we going to to keep that um, with the, you know, if this is, these are all designed to make the employee experience better, to keep it centered around people. So what technology as we as we incorporate each piece, how is that going to impact that? Because if we run full steam into it, we may end up unintentionally messing a whole bunch more up. Uh, and then last, you were, uh, Dr. Jeremy, to echo your your recommendation of caution. I was reading something the other day about a professor who put in, um, it was a writing assignment for their students. And to try and catch people who might be using chat GPT, they put in what they called a Trojan horse in a very small font, in a, in a clear color font. They put in something about use the word hippopotamus in your response. And that way, when people copy and pasted this into chat GPT, they were able to quickly identify, okay, you didn't, maybe you didn't really actually read the question or you didn't write it because it, these, these extra pieces are coming in. Now I'm not encouraging doing that. I just thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting spin. And again, an echo of that recommendation of caution to use these resources and these tools, but don't solely rely on them. I'll echo, or I'm going to follow up with Matthew and I see uh, Tom at your back and then I'll pop it back over to you to continue. But Tom, I do want to say we have such a stellar group here. I'm out because of tech, you're out because of tech, then I pop back in. They're just going, right? They're just like, they're the, the group's being moderated, everyone. We have such a, just a, a great, classy, intelligent group here, and I absolutely love it. Um, there is something, if, if you go to copy leaks, you can just, you can even have a, do a, a browser, a Chrome browser extension. You can copy and paste any text in there, and it'll tell you whether it's human or AI written. By now, if if you're familiar with AI, you can you can eyeball something and you can tell right away. Um, but yeah, it's it's so easy to to catch it now. And of course, even that might not be 100 correct. So you've still got to you know do your homework. Don't go accusing people. But I wanted to mention here uh, with what Dr. Lamp was saying about how we how we use things. I want to mention here in, in this particular article about the employee experience with AI. The use of AI-based applications for HRM practices has been linked to greater levels of personalization and learning and development, 
Of course, that's good. Employee coaching, that's great. Managing performance and even administrative tasks. And when you think about it, there are there are a lot of admins out there, a, a lot of admins out there. And you think about their experience. Look at looking at AI in terms of um, helping with those particular tasks. I mean, that is considered an employee experience every day. Can AI help uh, make their jobs easier? So it's not just it is for actual job tasks, but it's also, of course, for the a- the AI learning about someone and being able to super personalize their learning experiences. Uh, again, with like these mentorship platforms, there's a table here that contrasts. It's called contrasting AI mediated with human to human social exchange. And the bottom line here again, which I mentioned earlier. When you look at human-to-human social exchange in the workplace and a work relationship, and it's an exchange between two people or two parties, and there's usually some kind of economic value, workplace value, or social value exchange between two people. And I go back to that norm, uh, that uh, social norm of reciprocity, which I mentioned before. And here's the contrast with AI-mediated social exchange, available at a click of a button, human-to-human it depends on someone's availability. Got to create a meeting. So there's differences there. Leaves AI leaves the interpretation on the receiver. Human to human interaction there provides opportunity to clarify through iterations, through conversation, through talking. AI can provide a speedy and objective experience. With human to human, it may be delayed, but the interaction is still richer. With AI, this type of exchange can resolve specific transaction-based challenges. But with human-to-human interactions, you have so many dimensions that are involved there. You've got emotions that are that come into play. You have self-interest that come into play. You have desires to help others that come into play. There's just so many other dimensions. And I'm not reading through these as any are good or bad. I'm just simply providing what's detailed here in this table. Um, interactions with AI trigger imageries, but not ill intention. Human-to-human interaction can become very specific and charged. We know that. With AI interaction, AI can manage scale without comprising, uh, compromising on quality. But with human-to-human interaction, there's variance based on the environment, based on the context of what, what all that is. So when looking at all of this, I'm just adding in some more of what we're looking at that has been found through the specific research on some of the nuances with a contrast of AI versus human, the human-to-human aspect and also providing a... a, a um, a, a glimpse into what it, how it can be used for the everyday employee experience. Tom, I'm going to throw it way back over to you. Well, now I got a question for you, Jeremy, because I'm really good at debate, and I can make someone who's convinced that they have a, the, you know, the right opinion. I can frustrate the heck out of them uh, just you know using rhetoric. Uh, could I frustrate AI and get them upset with me? Uh, I don't. I think we. Didn't we have some really cool example of this where we where we did it in live in live time? I forget exactly what it was. (laughs) Tom, I would love that. I'm a big fan of debate as well. Maybe you and I should just pick some arbitrary topic sometime and just do an episode where you and I are just so just debating. Uh, Like, does does true altruism exist? Something like something like that, (laughs) or maybe something less philosophical and more technical. Like, you know. Should you always leave an empty parking space in the front, regardless of whether it's marked for other people? We, we whatever it may be, <laughs> you can tell that these are uh, debates I've had with friends because they, <laughs> they they're they're front and center. Um, but can you frustrate AI? I don't know. Has anyone here in the audience frustrated 
AI or stumped it or had any particularly interesting experience with a, a chat bot to share? If so, put it in the chat box, raise your hand or just speak speak about it when you have your hand raised. But um, that'd be fun. I think the thing is, it's a tool, right? But I think some of us are still scared. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make it mad because we all know that we don't want AI going rogue on me. So I don't want to make it mad. So again, we're humans, right? We have natural fear. Tom? And back to the matrix. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I think Nick is next up there, Tom. Oh, well then let's go to Nick. Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting because we're talking about kind of the applications of it. And if you're talking about employee experience, yes, if you're automating tasks and reducing the minutiae, I think everybody's a big fan of that idea. Um, and how do you implement that? But when we're talking about it as kind of software as service, where now I have this AI as mentor, um, you know, we talked about kind of the, 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 the push and pull of how is it programmed? How is it safeguarded? But also, I think that there's a cultural element to this. One, you have to have an organization that gives at least 20 cents to, you know, how how their employee experience goes and, you know, convincing people that this is a good thing because it will lead to second, third, fifth order, you know, consequences down the road. It's not going to be overnight, but you will see a difference in your in your organization down the road. Um, and so that that cultural aspect has to be there. And I think there's the opposite risk of it becoming kind of bargain basement if it's okay, we have we have this AI mentor. And the company goes, great, I don't have to think about it. I can just put it in play and we have mentorship in our organization now. And that'll that'll make the, the kids happy and things like that. And so I think that there's the idea that this might check some boxes and get the very basics. And I think for the first level of things, it's it's a good idea, but you can't, I think you can quickly outgrow very quickly right now where AI is at, how the how far that mentoring can really push somebody. Um and is your culture and organization one that truly cares about the experience and wants to develop versus I'm just checking the box so that the public eye um, doesn't look so so hard at me. Um, and the other thing is that I had it and I lost it. And we're thinking about how to, too often we humanize AI very, very quickly. And I think we have to remember it's ones and zeros. It doesn't care. There is no subtext in text. Um, you know, ask anybody who's spun out over a text message that's three words and they've looked at it for 15 minutes. So if we can't figure that out human to human, um, you know, what their intent was, if we're projecting our own issues or whatnot on the script that's coming through AI, it's probably not going to go the way that it was intended to. Um, but again, I've already put intent behind what AI does. So to answer your, your debate with Jeremy, I don't think you can frustrate AI. It allegedly should be infinitely patient. And so if we can leverage these things, um, you know, to, to be the tool that it can be, I think we're in a great spot. And once again, I think of, of people kind of in my age bracket of the computer lab went into the school as I was going through school. So I saw the before, I learned it, and then I lived the after. And I think this is just one more example of rapidly advancing technology. Um, you have to be able to function without it because this is a very human and nuanced issue. It's human resources. We're developing people. We're educating people. Um, can we automate some things and save some time? Absolutely. But if we we lose that human touch and you know go beyond the customization that we think we want, because a mentor can truly kind of show you something you didn't know that you needed. 
Um, and I don't know that AI would be able to bring that function to mentoring of challenge. It it wants to get the approval. It wants the engagement. And that's what's going to drive the engine uh, down the road as well. Thank you very much. Lee, let's go to you. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna step it back just a sec because, you know, to, to steal a, Tom for, uh, a phrase from Tom, you know, that's why you should hire an IO. Um, so when we're talking about this, there's... It's, you have the same challenges that you have with any early adoption of technology. You've got those that they're just going to be, they're just aching. I gotta have the newest shiny thing. And they're going to, and they're going to, you know, halfway do it. And, and, you know, uh, you know, champagne tastes on a beer budget, you know, and, you know, and you've got this kind of dichotomy in our, in our current world where the ones who really are in that space are like your startup type thing who probably don't have the budget. But then you have these huge organizations that have the budget to do this, but they've also got a fully staffed, you know, HR department or whatever else. And they may not see the need for it. So you have this weird dichotomy there. But, you know, on top of that, implementation on this stuff is huge. I mean, if you don't implement this correctly, uh, it can be quickly become a money drain. I mean, you could just be dumping money down this, trying to patch things that would have never been a problem if you had implemented it correctly the first time. And you know, there's infrastructure, you know, challenges, you know, do you have enough? Do you, you know, do, are you on the cloud? How much cloud do you have? You know, these things, uh, you know, are you choosing the right one that will properly interface with what you currently have? Or are you taking the, you know, the bargain, you know, the cheapest option that you have? You know, did you let the slick salesman tell you that this is the best thing ever? And then you found out that you bought something to use in the U.S. that has a, a, an EU plug on it that doesn't work very well. You know, and, and so we have to we really have to dig into this. You've got to you really got to make sure what your requirements are. This this is like really, really key with any any kind of uh, technology, but especially with something like this that could affect so much is you really have to designate your requirements. What are we trying to do? Not just I'm going to get AI because it's cool. What is my purpose for this? Because I'm going to spend a lot of money and I'm going to spend some manpower and I'm going to you know probably bring in you know some consultants and whatever else. What am I doing this for? Am I doing it for a press release? Am I doing it because it sounds cool? You know, and, and then you also have to take that next step, which was kind of mentioned here, is that um, you got to have guardrails because there's no morality behind AI. There's no intention behind AI other than what it's picked up from its developers along the way. So, you know, and, and we've all we've all seen the sci-fi things, you know, besides human are the problem, blah, blah, blah. But that's not as far-fetched as you would think because there is no there's no right or wrong there. It's all logic. It's ones and zeros. It's, you know, the best, you know, the most logical answer to this problem is this. Well, this, this may be something morally reprehensible. So you, you have to, you know, those are things that you really have to consider when you, you know, what are we doing with this? Uh, also, there's the problem with like uh, the, the algorithms because AI by definition is going to learn. And as you're getting your personalized experience, the whole point is that it's going to take your input and it's going to customize. And, you know, there's inherently issues there because there's there's a confirmation bias, among other things. I mean, let's say, uh, I mean, just as a as an example from my own life, you know, there's a there's a certain, you know, service out there on the Internet that shows videos. You know, I'm not going to name names, but you all know who I'm talking about. And as you watch videos, that algorithm is calculating what it shows you. And so things that I used to see but maybe didn't click on it often, don't show up in my search anymore. And it's just all kind of narrowed down. And then I'm like, what the heck? I don't want to watch any of that. 
But then you have to know that you can go in and you can clear all of your history and then it starts over. But now you got everything. So now you've started completely over because you have, you know, it is making decisions for you and you're in you're, you've created your own echo chamber. You know, there's cool stuff out there you may experience, but you won't because the computer thinks, you know, has decided it, it didn't think it decided for you that you don't want to see those things because of that algorithm. So there are there are challenges and there are things that I don't think we've really thought through completely yet, at least not on the consumer side. And, you know, this technology in many ways is in its infancy, you know, as far as the, co- you know, the, the, the people experience, you know, like Dr. Lamp said, we, you know, they've been using this for like analytics for a while, but that's hard logic. You know, that is computer, that is the swim lane. You know, now we're talking about, you know, now we're moving into, you know, 2001. Hello, Dave, you know, and we all, and you know, many of us remember how that worked out. So the, you know, there are things that we have to go through and we really have to consider the human element and the chaos inherent in that, which is, of course, why you need the I.O. to work with the I.T. and to, uh, to, to, you know, really get the proper thing in your organization, not just what the salesman says you. I wonder, Lee, if you've got any advice, because I, I agree with you 100%, get an I.O. to navigate you through this. But looking at the technology now, do you have a sense that, the technology may be ready with some guidance for HR or admins, but there's maybe other areas where we don't want to get AI involved because it's just not there yet. I'm not sure I can give you concrete examples, but the short answer is yes. You know, it's all of this stuff is iterative. And the problem with, you know, we as people, we have that short attention span. We want it now. We don't want uh, the delayed gratification. And so, we grab these things and we dump them in and we, we expect them to do things that they were never meant to do. And you know, history is just full of examples of things that sometimes it worked out well, you know, that wasn't designed for that, but man, that's awesome. You know, uh, you know, I was watching something the other day where somebody created, you know, out of just by accident created the metal detector and that's kind of cool, but they were doing something, but then there's other things that they've created where, you know, it's been destructive and people have died, and, you know, and, not that I hopefully none of that's going to happen with AI, but it could, you know, self-driving cars. You know, there's an AI element there. That AI goes haywire. All of a sudden, you know, bad things happen. And and, and then, of course, with technology, we're also looking at, what, what you know, the, the bad actors, the people who are putting those Trojans in, the, the hackers. You know, they're, if you don't have the infrastructure to properly protect this thing, you, I mean, heck, you may be given the keys to the kingdom just by putting the AI in because somebody else knows how to go in and get that AI to pull the stuff you don't want them to have and give it to them and and figure out how you will never know about it because the AI figured it all out. And it's just like, oh, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. You know, there, there's so many things we haven't really covered on this yet. And, and it's going to be fascinating, but there's also the chance for this to completely go off the rails. Well, thank you very much for that, Lee. Now I'm back to the it's the end of the world. Uh- <laughs> But maybe Stephanie will change my opinion on that. Stephanie, let's go to you. Sorry there. I was just trying to uh, get back to the screen. Um, This is my first time joining your group, and I don't have the I.O. background, but I have a a master's in applied behavior science and spent my career in HR organization development and training. And before this session, I was on a session for using AI in the learning and development space. And it was pretty, it was a particular vendor who was selling a learning system with it all integrated. And yes, there are some features like that have been mentioned that make that, I want to say administration of the 
the systems and, you know, the support, you know, some real time things that can help people, you know, remind me of my due dates for my training, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there were some really scary elements that we're talking about that that really, again, didn't I ask the question even around data privacy because it was talking about giving information to people for this is what they need to do for their job and then moving people into jobs. I mean, and, it, and I just was like, wow, this this stuff could go off the rails. And if your your their information is not being monitored, I mean, it's like we are taking the people aspect out of HR, out of leadership and management. I mean. It's out there and I am, you know, I've been, it's really funny. I, I really used to really like the movie, The Matrix, but I really feel like eventually we are getting hooked in. You know, we've already, it's too late. Some other people have taken the big red pill and we're down. We're going down the rabbit hole. So not to be a total pessimist. So I want to know in my space as a leader development person and coach, how I help influence this to be done, you know, effectively. So that's my interest. So thanks. Well, thank you for joining us and and bringing your expertise and knowledge. Uh, it's very much appreciated and and some great questions. So thank you very much for that, uh, Natasha. Let's go to you. Yeah, just listening to everyone speak, um, I had a few thoughts and that came up um, as we continue this conversation around AI. For me, I kind of liken it, and again, my background being in HR and employee experience, I liken it to when organizations use EAP as an end-all, be-all for all experiences um, internally. So if something happens around the country and they're like, yeah, run and use EAP, or an employee passes within the organization, or we're doing you know, some form of development and we use an EAP coach or even leaving that cookie cutter services with the presentations is looking at a best practice for employee engagement, an article like that, right? You can have the article and all of the recommendations that they provide, all the advice that they provide is on par, but you also have to understand, is this relevant to my industry? Is this relevant to my organization? Is this relevant to my culture? Um, relevant to the demographics of my organization? Um, or are we just saying we're going to use this just to use it? But as um, I, I forgot who was speaking a while ago, but are we really thinking about the people that are within the organization and that are on the experience side of what we're looking to do? And so I think that, again, um, someone mentioned earlier with great the, the, the quote on with greater um, power comes greater responsibility. I am not arguing AI of as not being a relevant tool, um, but I still maintain. And as Richard dropped in chat, is that AI, it, Richard and Linda and AI cannot think, feel process like a human and therefore we're it's overlooking while it's providing data based on you know the information that it gathers here and there and everywhere um are we are organizations prioritizing responsible training and development and providing guidelines around how ai is to be used can be used within an organization um 
Because if we're not using it responsibly based on knowing how to use it, is it really effective? Um, And there was one last point that I, and the fact that, hey, it will never replace, you know, human capacity. And so while I think that it is a useful tool, it is useless if we're not using it responsibly in the way it should be used. In your experience and from where you stand, do you think organizations are caring enough? Do you think they're going to care about the employee experience or are they going to focus on the bottom line? And that's that's going to become the rationale to moving further and further into AI. So it is always the bottom line. It is always the bottom line. And the people are the means to an end. So when we talk about wellness in the workplace, all of the great topics that were coming up, you know, during COVID, when employers, quote unquote, were losing the hold that they had on, you know, the, you know, the marketplace in terms of employees were reclaiming their power, what have you. A lot of those things were things that they were just saying as a band-aid, but not necessarily following up on it, not necessarily truly investing in it. And we saw that transpire in 2021, 2022, when all of these divisions that were put into place to improve on the employee experience by way of employee experience managers, by way of DNI managers, by way of additional human resources practitioners within the organizations, those were a lot of the first positions to be cut, eliminated, where a lot of budget cuts were being made. Um, and we got sidetracked with the whole tech talk, but those three industries were highly impacted. Um, and at the core of what we do is the human experience. We are human providing resources to the humans that we work with, that we manage, and that we support. And so I think that AI, I think someone mentioned it earlier, AI is used as a shortcut. How do we get to the bottom line, max amount of, you know, how do we get to the bottom line and being able to exceed our business goals, revenue, what have you? using the least amount of resources. And for many organizations, AI is the route, is that route. Amazon is considered top employer. Everybody wants to work for Amazon, but simply because they pay well, but there's a cost that goes along with it. And they are highly reliant on AI, which is also why the employee experience or the human experience within those or that organization is what it is. And so, again, I think that with the responsibility of using AI comes the responsibility of developing training and understand why exactly are we using it? Um, And also, where do our people fit in that equation? And and thank you for putting those questions forward and and like, let's start asking them. Um, Alexander, let's get back to you. Um, Linda and Nick and Dr. Matthew want to get to you guys quickly. We are getting close on time, but. This is a fun conversation. Alexander, over to you. Right. So I'm going to switch the conversation a little bit, but keep it on how AI can start affecting the employee experience. And that is looking more at it from a cybersecurity space because the AI is really starting to affect how well hackers are being able to produce threats at a more massive scale. 
and more penetrate deeper in, we're starting to see where this is something that kind of needs to be talked about more is how more people are losing jobs because of these AI security threats. And that, of course, leads to bad experiences for those who have survivor guilt. We increase the suicide um, ideations for those who have lost their jobs due to layoffs. And this is starting to kind of cause issues within younger people, too, who have largely grown up in schools where over 80 percent use Chromebooks. They've grown up with headlines that Chromebooks are safe. It was the Windows devices that got ransomware. Now they're looking at jobs and they're saying, hey, you're not really taking cybersecurity seriously or just your technology in general. And so we're seeing those type of issues starting to pop up in workplaces, but we're not really getting the full understanding of how are we going to address these issues that are starting to really affect modern employees. Thank you for that. Linda Ann, over to you. A couple of points in um, on that I think are, is important to acknowledge is that automation and AI are not the same, right? And we've we've been utilizing automation for a lot of things for quite some time. You know, like HR checklists and those kinds of things. That's an automation process. That's not necessarily an AI process. And so I think we need to understand the difference there. Uh, I'm not sure that I completely do, but it's important, I think, to to delineate that. Um, and also that we're seeing this huge influx of AI platforms. And typically when something new comes along like this, there's this huge influx and then a shakeout and consolidation. So when you're looking at vetting your AI pro product or platform, it's really important to consider what is its integration with your current systems? Is it going to be there in a three years or two years, whatever that is. And what are the security measures that that are being taken to keeping it sound and to not, you know, mine healthcare data and things like that, that being um, submitted into it. And um, the other thing to look into is two more points. One is the data that people are using, you have to really have them understand how that data is being compiled so it's being utilized properly just like even before the ai platforms came out one of the issues that we've always had conversations with is it's fine if you you can't just use raw data and so you need to use make sure that whatever data the ai is spitting out is going through the same evaluational process that it would have been um that would an io would have done to it to make it relevant and truly um helpful in getting in any actions that you might take based on it. Um, and the other thing too is how technologically savvy is your workforce? Number one, are they actually going to be able to use it? And are they going to be able to access it properly? And how much are you going to train them to maximize the efficiency and effectiveness of that particular AI platform? Thank you. And Nick, let's go to you. Yeah, I think to go back to uh, one of the earliest questions of the discussion is who's using it, you know, talking about kind of the idea of early adoption versus do you wait and see how this all shakes out? Unfortunately, somebody does have to go first. Um, and hopefully those are the organizations that are willing to answer the questions that we're, we're posing here that are willing to say, okay, this is this is the Wild West. We're in new territory. We can really kind of pioneer it to be what it needs to be and suit our best uses. Um, and I think ultimately, if it's done right, it has the potential to drastically change the way we work in, you know, in the modern world. Um, it's another revolution that's coming. And so there is a lot of scary things in the thought that maybe the way this integrates into the workplace 
we don't have a picture of what that looks like yet. I mean, I always kind of, when we get in the AI conversations, it's like, are we going to Mad Max? Or are we going to Star Trek? Like, what are, what are we going to get here with how these things kind of shake out? Um, and I think there's, there's reason for pause and hesitation. We've kind you know, bias everything that we are trained to kind of keep, keep an eye out for, but there's also reason for optimism where you may be able to reach somebody in a very customized way that, the leadership wouldn't be able to, and they could have the idea that cures cancer. I mean, I know that's kind of a, a far-fetched idea, but you're you're creating more opportunity for expansion and productivity. Um, and I think, you know, if you throw enough things against the wall, eventually something's going to stick. And hopefully that kind of moves things to where we think is forward. Um, and I think the humans still need to be involved to figure out which which direction forward is. Well, thank you very much for that, Nick. And thank you, everyone, who's contributed today. Uh, Jeremy, here we are once again. Great conversation. I, I have to admit, though, I'm a little bit you know, torn between CBOX should have an AI sponsor and CBOX should not have an AI sponsor. <laughs> so I'm still kind of on the fence, but it, it also kind of sounds like it's it's great that we're having this discussion, but it's a bit of a stay tuned and see what happens. It sure is. And I love the perspectives and, and there's just the different backgrounds that everyone has that provides all the insight today. I mean, we've got people that are experts in AI, experts in HR, we've got our IOs and we, it, it's just, it's such a good mix and we're all learning together. I don't, you know, unless you're the person who invented AI or work closely with that person, everyone's still trying to figure out. And that's what we do. We've got this community and we're, and we're figuring it out all together next month. When I say next month, I mean tomorrow, because tomorrow, I can't believe it's December. If you were to tell me it was May of 2023, I'd say it's May already, but it's already December. What what, what a year, right? So December, psychological well-being and thriving in the future workplace. That is our, um, that's our main theme. And as far as the topics, the weekly topics, we start off next Thursday. We have mindfulness and men mental re resilience. Then we have positive psychology at work, cultivating flourishing teams, cultivating a culture of empowerment, employee engagement, and holistic development. And then after Christmas, we have from burnout to balance, redefining work-life integration. And of course, we've got all of our great events for members, other events that are that are free for everyone. We've got regional events coming up. Of course, we have another post-three-day event coming up. So check out cbock.com slash events for that. Tom, any final thoughts? I, I just love it that, you know, as you're preparing the topics for the next, you know, month or couple of months, you know, as we head towards Christmas, they're more, much more positive, you know, about, you know, getting into a good state of mind. But then as soon as we hit January, it's now we have to deal with those bills. Uh, so <laughs> good choices. Uh, We're going to build up that resilience ahead of time. There you go. Uh, so thanks very much, everyone. And Jeremy, I think with that, we'll have you count us out and we'll see everyone in one week's time. Counting out at five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com. Thank you.